With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Well, good evening, listeners. We are having our show starting right now, and we have Janet Powers on the line, and our guest, of course, is Cindy Ashton. So welcome, everybody. Hi, Jim. Hello. Hi, Janet. So great to be here. Well, listen, it's really, truly, Cindy, it's wonderful to have you on with us. And, of course, I have seen you perform and hear your voice, and you're just an awesome person in the world and makes such a difference in so many people's lives because, uh, you know, your motivation meets the red carpet, and you can find Cindy taking center stage. Everybody, she is an expert in overcoming obstacles, and she is the author of Kiss Your Monsters Goodbye. She empowers people to break through their barriers so they can be the star in their own life and play center stage. So she's conquered, which she'll tell you about later on this evening, some life-threatening illnesses. But when you meet Cindy, you wouldn't believe it because she is just the picture of beauty and health. And she has uh, combined her extensive background in performing with education in kinesiology. And with this experience, she's able to give people real-world strategies for superstar living. She leads them to find their true gifts, and they can claim their very own red carpet moment. So let's just welcome Cindy aboard with us because she has uh, taken stage with such powerhouses as Barbara DeAngelis. Lisa Nichols, and Bob Proctor. So we are honored, Cindy. Welcome aboard. We're honored to have you tonight. Oh, well, thank you, June and Janet and Robbie, who's probably listening. I am so excited and so very honored to be here. For me, to be able to even be alive and breathing and socializing with such magnificent women and wonderful listeners is a true gift. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. And I'm sure Robbie is listening, so we just hope everything is coming along much better in her life. And we're sort of filling in for tonight, and she'll be back, I think, in the circle out in California tomorrow night. Oh, great. Yeah, she's amazing. Oh, she is. So, Cindy, tell us, what do you mean about your red carpet life? Your red carpet life. Now, when people think of the red carpet, they think of superstars, you know, like Janet Jackson and Beyonce and, you know, actors like Brad Pitt and George Clooney, who are both very yummy, by the way. Um, You know, but they think about the people, when they think of people being superstars and being living the red carpet life, they really do think of these people who have millions and millions of dollars and who have achieved great things in the performing world. But for me, the way that I define red carpet life is the life of living the extraordinary life that you want to live. There are so many people out there. I mean, everybody in this planet is born with some kind of an extraordinary gift or a set of gifts or some kind of a dream or goal or something they want to accomplish. And when they are truly living that life and that purpose, that is their red carpet life. But I find that too many people get stuck living a mediocre life because they feel like they've got too many odds stacked against them. Well, when that happens, what's the tool you use to help them with so they can become the superstar they're born to be? 
Well, I call them monster kissing tools. <laughs> Isn't that because, adorable? <laughs> well, yeah, well, it is adorable, right? <laughs> you know, and anyone who's seen my book, Kiss Your Monsters Goodbye, I'm literally kissing this cartoon monster on the, on the cover. It's pretty cute. Um, but what monster kissing tools are is that, you know, each and every one of us has resistance, limitations, fears, obstacles. We all do. That's life, right? And when you are willing to really look at what that is and name it, then you're able to shift it. But a lot of us avoid even looking at the monsters in our life, you know, and then we end up being stuck in our limitations forever and ever. So when I talk about that tool, it's really about finding the courage within yourself to look and name what those situations are, what those monsters are, what are those limitations that are holding you back from really living your red carpet life and being the superstar that you were born to be. Yes, and uh, Janet, uh, also, we want Cindy to tell a little bit about her life in the beginning because she had to overcome so much more than what the normal average person would have to do. So it's an awesome story. So let's listen in. Are there any questions you have, Janet? No, I'm um, absolutely fascinated by how diverse your background is, Cindy, Um, to be a speaker and a performer and I'm dying to hear all the other things, so keep going. This is great. <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, thank you. Over. <laughs> yeah, she did have. So, Cindy, share share your story because it's an awesome story and it's inspiring for other people to know where you were and where you are today. Oh, I would love to. I'm very excited. Okay. So um, basically, you know, as I said, we're all born with some kind of a gift or some kind of a dream. And for me, my big dream since I was little has always been to sing, dance, and act. And I still remember as early as I can, you know, as early as I cognitively can remember, I would go into my mom's closet and I would get the sequins and line up my arms and I would go into the, you know, the um, family room and put on the record player and dim the lights and dance on the, on the, you know, on the table, which was my stage, and sing and dance. And, you know, I've always wanted to be a performer. But my big, quote-unquote, monster was my body. I was born with heart failure and a 20% chance of living, and I had under, and oh, and when I was born, the whole left side of my body was basically deformed. My legs were crooked, and I had to wear casts, you know, as a baby and growing up, and um, so that my legs would grow in properly. And then I went through three heart surgeries, the first at 11 days old, 5 years old, and then 14. Oh, that amazing. Mm. Oh, I'm so lucky to be alive. <laughs> and, you know, when I was 14, at that point, the doctors, after my last surgery, said, you know, we've saved your life. We're glad you made it this far, but you still have major problems. You're going to be on medication for life. You know, you'll never be able to handle physical activity beyond walking. Don't take more than general or easy courses in school. You know, make sure that you don't, you know, take take on an easy job. Don't go to university. I mean, I just had a whole laundry list of what I couldn't do. And here <laughs> I'm the girl who wants to sing, dance, and act and be on Broadway, you know, and, um, you know, thankfully, you know, what I love about kids, and I went on later to teach kids, but what I love about kids is that they're very flexible in their brain because there's still, most kids have not had it pounded out of them yet, and they haven't been brainwashed into limitations. So kids are like, I'm going to fly, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do a cartwheel, I'm going to jump off the monkey bars, I'm going to, you know, kids are just so flexible, and they're so creative, and that's what I love about kids. And when you get to 14, um, June, you have kids? Janet, you have kids? No, but I've raised a lot of them. All right, (laughs) so you know that when you get to 14... They get really defiant, right? <laughs> <There it is. laughs> That's a nice so word to put. They're totally grown. 
they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're a challenge. And uh-huh. thankfully, I was a challenge. I'm thanking God that I was a challenge because hmm. I was the kid who was 14 and defined and said, oh, yeah, you're going to put these limitations on me? You wait and see. And so I ended up weeding myself off medication bit by bit. I didn't tell my parents or the doctors. But I literally did all this research on what my condition was and what I should be looking for in my test results. And I was, you know, in the hospital weekly just for testing to see what my vitals were and all that stuff. So I would go in and I would monitor myself and ask what the numbers were and make sure I was stable. And my brain just said, well, maybe if I weeded myself off these four pills bit by bit, my body would just adjust. And it did. So I went, you know, I cut down the pills to three and a half and I would go to the doctor and I would look and I'm like, okay, I look like I'm stable now. All right, let's cut it down to three pills. And now I'm on And you were doing this all yourself without the No, I didn't tell my parents. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody knew. I'm a funny girl, I know. So I mean I ended up weaning myself within a year off of medication and it's been I don't know, um, almost twenty years now that I've been medication free. So I'm pretty darn proud. That it's been almost it's 20 years now that I've been medication free. I mean, I don't oh, even take Tylenol. I don't even take Tylenol if I have a headache. I meditate it out of my body. Yeah. <laughs> Good for you. Well, thank you. Mm. So that was the first thing that I conquered. And then um, I started dance class, and that was really smart of me. A year later, I started dance class despite what doctors said. And it was anybody who's ever had surgery, like major surgery, they're cutting through bones and muscles and they're cutting, you know, through nerves and they're doing all this stuff. And if you're not getting rehabilitation and you're not moving, then your body gets stiff and then you become immobile. And if it wasn't for dancing, I think I'd probably be still immobile. But because I was dancing, I was working through my pain. I was working through the muscles and the nerves that were in pain and hurting. And, I, you know, it really healed my body. And so four years later, I mean, everybody, I mean, I know doctors say don't exercise, but it's so good for you. Mm. (laughs) You know, it is. It's so good for you. Get moving. (laughs) You know, even if you're in a wheelchair, you can still move your arms. Yes, yes. And Cindy knows how I feel about her. I could just take her home with me every time I see her. Oh, Um, She's an awesome person, and when you hear what has happened to her, it's, She's just a really special person, so we want to know. Let's get back. Are, are you finished with this part of it, or is there more? I've heard oh, the thing. Okay, so, so I'll skip forward a little bit. So okay. I ended up, four years later, I ended up training six hours a day in a professional dance company. I mean, brutal training with, you know, the headmaster at, like, Paris Ballet was down in Toronto training us, like, Horrible training. More, I think it was worse and harder training than any normal, than a football player probably goes through. I really? Mean, I, and I, how I, old were you then, Cindy? I was 18. My goodness. So I was 18. I was 18 years hmm. old. And then when I was 19, I went into theater school and I trained six hours or eight hours a day as a singer, dancer, actor. And then I went to university and I did my opera training. And so I ended up going into, you know, to go audition after I was done university. But because I was still dealing with a chronic pain, and even though I was dancing through the pain, when I stopped dancing, I didn't, I really felt the pain and I couldn't sleep through the night. So essentially, for 15 years after my last surgery, so from 14 to age 29, which was only five years ago, I didn't sleep through the night. And so I would be exhausted and go into auditions, and I would sing badly because I needed support to sing opera and Broadway, and I didn't have it because I was tired. And so I gave up on my dream because I had so many people saying that I sucked and that I was terrible. And, you know, and I also had the issue that, you know, I've been heavily criticized for my looks. 
you know, I've been told by casting directors that I have no sex appeal and that I'm not attractive. Oh, I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, I mean, I had a lot of odds stacked against me because if it wasn't my singing, it was because I wasn't pretty enough and I was a size five and I wasn't skinny enough. You know, I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I was skinnier. June, you've seen me recently. I was yeah. way skinnier than I am now. I mm. mean, I was a rake. I mean, any skinnier, I would have been anorexic. So, mm. I mean, I just, I gave up on my dreams. And I thought, I guess what my dream was wrong. And I really want everybody to hear this, is that when we hit a lot of walls, I, I, I a.k.a. monsters, if we hit enough of them, we give up. And we get the message that our dream is wrong. And I'm here to tell you that the dream is not wrong. There is a reason for obstacles. And they're here to make you stronger and make you a better person. And sometimes there's something you need to learn before you get to the big dream. And so for me, what I had to learn, you know, so I went to teaching and it was brilliant because I loved the kids and, you know, I would be motivating them and I ended up, like, doing what I'm doing now. And um, But I noticed that I was always telling them that everything is possible and they can live their dreams and that I wasn't. And that's when I made, that's when I was 29 years old and I made the decision that I need to go after my own dreams, if not for myself, then for my students, because mm-hmm. I have to walk my talk. I mean, how many motivational speakers, how many teachers, how many parents out there are preaching one thing and not walking mm-hmm. their talk and giving a different message? That's right. absolutely true. And so they're not authentic. And I, and I have to be authentic because I'm lying to these kids, telling them that anything's possible. <laughs> and here I'm not, you know? Yes, I understand. Awesome. So I ended up making a decision, and June and Janet, you probably will agree with this, but when you make a very firm decision, it's amazing how decision will motivate and open up doors for you that you never thought were possible. Right. That's absolutely true. Absolutely true, because you believe in it, and you know it will work. Yeah, and just having that belief and that determination. And, you know, there was part of me that probably didn't know that it would work, but just I was so determined that even though I had the fear, I went through the fear, and I was determined regardless. And just having that determination, within a month, I, you know, all of a sudden somebody appeared in my life who was a osteopath, and he started working on my body, and then I had a chiropractor. And all of a sudden the most amazing healers in Toronto appear in my life. And within Um. a year I'm singing, you know, within months I was actually sleeping through the night, and within a year or two, I released my first album, Don't Rain on My Parade, which is basically, I'm singing, guys. I'm singing, so don't rain on my parade. You know, and then, but, I mean, <laughs> it's kind of like, don't you dare rain on my parade. I'm singing, you know. So, <laughs> so, but the funny thing, okay, so this goes back to sort of what Janet was asking about. I do all these different things. So I did. I started singing, you know, with symphonies, and I started singing. I got a starring role in a musical, I think, three years ago. And, you know, so I started to make some really good progress. But the interesting thing, you know, Janet was saying, but you're also a speaker. Well, I never wanted to be a speaker, to be really honest. Mm -hmm. What happened was is that when my album came out, I started getting media attention, and nobody could care less about my singing. They only wanted to know about my story. Oh. And it was the most frustrating thing ever. I was like, what do you mean? Can we please talk about my music? They're like, no, 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 we want to hear more about your story. I'm like, Arr. But the interesting thing, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was so mad. <laughs> you know, I waited my whole life, like 29 years, to be able to live this dream. And it's like, hello. <laughs> Does someone want to, you know? And so the interesting thing was that all of a sudden, um, I started getting phone calls from people saying, hey, we'd like to hire you to speak. And I'm like, um, can you hire me to sing too? They're like, no, no, we want you to speak. 
but I'm like, fine. But I very quickly learned and that. I speak is like, what? I said, but they don't know you can sing and speak too. I know. So, I mean, it's really been fun. It's been a great journey because now I'm kind of doing it all. I get to sing, dance, and act, and I still get to, and I get to speak and inspire. And, you know, what I said earlier is that, which I'm going to bring it to, is that sometimes when we have these giant obstacles and they seem to go on for years and years and years, it's because mm-hmm. it's something, there's something better for us on the other side. And we're being, it's like our soul, it's like it's forcing our soul to grow into what it's truly meant to be or something. Mm-hmm. You but know, it's. Yeah, when you did that and you could see them there and you kept moving forward, how did you really break that apart? How did you break it down? And how did you know that all of what you've gone through, whether it was false fears or what was going on, how did you identify that? Well, when I was younger, I broke through a lot of stuff because it was coming from a very fearful place. And so this is a really important point I want everyone to get. You can manifest and create your goals through fear or you could do it through love so when I was younger I was angry and I was frustrated and I was resentful at the doctors for putting limitations on me so I ended up breaking through a lot of barriers and training in these dance companies and singing and going to university and doing all these things I wasn't supposed to do out of anger towards them so I'm grateful that they were because it was a negative it was a negative motivation Mm-hmm. And so that's why I was achieving at such a young age, whereas the last few years of my life, and when I had made that decision at age 29, that was, that was from love. Because mm. at that point, that point, it was more about I'm going to change my life because I deserve to, because at soul level I understand that I'm destined for greater things, and it's because it's my destiny, as opposed to I'm going to prove everybody wrong, which comes from a fear place of okay. the I'm not enough. Oh, okay. Uh, tell us when that point hit and how you knew the difference. I think this is extremely important to our listeners because what you just said is something that people do not know how to do the turnaround. They stay in fear. They stay in anger. That's what gets them there. So how on earth did all of a sudden you realize that you needed to shift over to love? Well, I think that it actually happened in a situation that had nothing to do with my heart issues. Um, because I had such a low self-esteem growing up, you know, growing up in a hospital and missing so much school and never thinking I was smart enough and, you know, and then being abused by those lovely um, casting directors saying I'm not pretty and all that stuff. So I had a really, really low self-esteem and boys never came near me. And I met this man when I, in, in the university and I fell in love with him and he fell in love with me and he was an angel, at least I thought him and his family were. Uh, and, uh, and I married him. Um, despite, really? Just, and now I've not heard this story before. How old okay. were you? Um, okay, so we met in 1997. So we met when uh-huh. I was 20. Oh, oh, right before my. Okay, so we met when I was 21, turning 22. And he's a wonderful person. I, I haven't talked to him in years, but I mean, he was a wonderful person. But he came from a very, very conservative background and from a culture where women had to be a certain way. And I had to be Catholic and I had to be, you know, speak their language and I had to have a nine to five job and I had to be conservative. And here I'm this wild child who's going to sing, dance and act, who's, you know, I consider myself spiritual, but not religious. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I have no issues with anybody Catholic. I think we should all believe what feels right for, for us as long as it comes from love. So, but they were very adamant that I change religions, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't stand up for myself. From the very beginning, I mean, I heard his mother whisper at one point that um, she's ugly, right? She whispered, and I heard it. Like, I mean, his mother, 
his mother used to really pick on me and his parents were really manipulative and they controlled him and he allowed that because it's all about choice, right? And that I didn't stand up for myself. And so I went, I, so we were, you know, as we're getting married, I mean, his parents are interfering this and that, and my ex-husband, who was my fiancé at the time, is like, don't worry, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. But you know what? It wasn't okay. We came home from honeymoon, they were living in our house, they never left, you know, and it got, and it became three against one, and I was feeling stifled, and when I kept rebelling and trying to go after my career, then they escalated to, you're an idiot, you're stupid, don't you know artists are stupid, and so, you know, and then my family staged an intervention like you do with alcoholics where they said they're you know they sat me down on new year's day and they said he's emotionally abusing you and so is his parents and you're trapped in this house and we you have lost so much weight and you know this isn't healthy for you and you're leaving him we got you a lawyer we got you a counselor and we're not giving you a choice in this and it was a it was the bravest thing that my family has ever done and the smartest and so the, so i, I i'm going to get back to the question in a second mm. But when I went through that whole thing, because I loved him when I was still madly in love with him. He's a wonderful person in a lot of ways. He was just unable to stand up against his parents and stand up for himself, Mm -hmm. you know, and live his own dreams. I mean, he went to be a teacher because it was a safe thing to do, even though it wasn't his lifelong passion. So, you know, so I don't blame him. He's a wonderful person, probably still is, hopefully. Um, But, you know, but the point is, is that it was my responsibility. And I had to, one day I really looked at myself in the mirror and I said, why did I ever let myself take five years of these people being mean to me? Why did mm-hmm. I take five years of me being squashed and not being allowed to shine my light? Why did I take all this? And you know what? If you looked from the outside, you would blame him. But you know what? It takes two in any marriage, no matter how bad. Indeed. And I had to face myself and say, wow, I have no self-esteem. Mm-hmm. that I would allow myself to be in a situation where I didn't stand up for myself and where I didn't, where I didn't say, no, this isn't okay, you know, and where mm-hmm. I said, you know, and I should have said, I'm sorry, but I'm walking out of the house, and when your parents decide to treat me better, then we will start dating again. Wow. You know, I should have been, I mean, now, I've, I, I mean, now I'm always single because I take no prisoners. But, <laughs> you know, I think I've gone too extreme to the other side. But, you know, um, you know, so my turning point in terms of really coming from love had to be was really when I was 26 years old and getting a divorce from the man that I loved the most on this planet. And, uh. no, and, not, and I mean, you know, I think it, I, everyone diminished it by saying, oh, well, you weren't married long and, you know, you're young. It's not like you had a 20-year marriage. And I think it's hard to break up from a 20-year marriage because you're used to each other and it's a pattern. But when you're breaking up and you're younger and you're still madly in love with that person, I mean, I literally cried every single day for like two years. Mm. Every day I wept and wept because I loved him and missed him so much. But I knew that I had to face myself and my self-esteem issues because I, can't, I couldn't keep my light down. And so for me, that was a change, and it wasn't an overnight change. It was every day of my life having to try to look at myself in the mirror and try to love myself. Every day of my life reading more books and going to more seminars and, you know, seeing psychiatrists. I mean, I've tried every possible type of therapy you can possibly imagine, you know. But, I mean, I really – so it wasn't an overnight thing, but I come from love now because I've learned to love myself on a deeper level, and it took a very long time, many years. So, Janet, couldn't she really give people a lesson? First, love yourself and don't give up on your dreams and don't give up on yourself. Let's hear, Janet, what you think about this situation. 
Well, you know, I think I think it's very important, and I applaud you for trying to get this message out, because until you love yourself, nobody else can love you. That's right. Because until you love yourself and know how to treat yourself well, you'll you'll take anything from anyone because you think that's what's accepted. You'll think that's what's normal. Because if you're not tra- treating yourself like the best thing on earth, nobody else is going to. Why should they? So this is a wonderful, wonderful lesson for our listeners, Cindy, and and don't you think so, Janet, that if they just realize they've got to first honor who they are, mm-hmm. love themselves, and give themselves self-respect in order to take care of themselves. I have a question, though, Cindy. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I hear that you did all this, and certainly you had, sounds like a good family around you to do that, but not everyone has that. So now as you look back on that experience, could you have gotten it, gotten out of it your, on your own? Um, you know what? I think I probably would have committed suicide because oh, my family, I mean, my family, like, I mean, when I was a teenager, I was suicidal and I used to cut myself when I was a teenager. Oh. And I had really thought that I had come out of that. And my family could see very quickly that I was losing a lot of weight and I would talk about Every now and then I would talk about how I would drive past a cliff every day and how I sometimes think it would be so easy for me to turn the wheel. And I slipped that one, and it was one time that I slipped, and my mother said, this is it, this has got to stop. Because I would literally, and then I would get home every night after teaching, and um, I would literally stand at the door crying my eyes out and trying to compose myself before I went in there and had to deal with God knows what they were going to say to me. And, you know, and and so, and and my parent and my mom, my mom started to pick up on stuff like that. And, um, you know, so I, I'm... Oh, I think we're losing you. Oh, we Cindy? lost the June. Nope, she just fell off. She'll put calling right back in, I'm sure. She'll call back but, in. But really, Janet, her story is awesome. And if people could really understand what she's come through and so open and honest, you know, the fact she was cutting herself, and there's a real thing around teenagers and cutting, uh, and it is the lowest form of self-esteem, but she was trying to break through so much, her body, her singing, her music, her life itself, and, man, what courage. What courage. Well, you know, and, and the courage, um, Cindy's back with us, the courage um, it, it really is something, but everyone who's listening, whether they're listening live tonight or listening to this show later, every one of us have this courage inside of us. We do. It's a small little voice that says, I'm better than this. I don't deserve this. And whether it's your in-laws who are doing it, whether it's your spouse doing it, whether it's your family Mm -hmm. doing it, there's a little voice that everyone, every child has it, we grow up with it as women, that you know it's not right. And if you have that feeling, reach out to someone. You do not mm-hmm. have to put up with that, whether that be a girlfriend, someone at work, there are services within your health care system. Mm-hmm. Reach out to someone because someone can help you have a better day. So, Cindy, I applaud you for not everyone's willing to be so honest about their journey. And it, I think when you do, you make someone else go, oh, I'm not the only one. It's not yeah. me. You know, I'm so glad, and by the way, I don't know why I got cut off, so I apologize for that, but Janet, I'm so glad that you say that because for years I was so embarrassed and I was so humiliated Mm -hmm. by the whole thing, and 
you know, and I felt so alone for most of my life. Mm-hmm. And I, I and it's mm-hmm. nice to know that I'm not alone. And I really mm-hmm. want other women to know and other men to know who struggle with self-esteem stuff that they're not alone and that I've been there and, and maybe you two have been there at one point in your life. You know, I don't and know anybody who hasn't. Tried. We all was, have. Same thing. Yeah. You know, we go through it. We doubt ourselves. We doubt our ability because we just run up against these things, and and someone or something sort of wakes us up. But remember, some people don't, and they stay in it and and just destroy who they were born to be. Yeah. Wow. You know, wow. and it's really yeah, about go ahead. making the choice. It's really about making the choice. Mm-hmm. And it's really about asking yourself, if I'm really stuck in this pattern, what is the payoff? Mm-hmm. What is the payoff? Because sometimes we stay stuck on our stuff, and we stay stuck in it because we're getting something out of it. And I'll give you a couple of examples. You know, um, like for me, I was always stuck one, one drama after the other, after the other, after the other. And what I came to realize is that why am I always having these dramatic situations happen? And I realized it's because I get attention that way. And so, bless your heart for being so open and realizing it. Go ahead. (laughs) I can't go to say. Janet? But isn't that the truth? How many of us create one negative thing after the other? You know, it's not one thing, it's the other. But we do it because... It's our way of getting attention. Even if it's negative attention, we're getting the attention, which means that something within this needs to learn to give ourselves attention. So how are you not giving yourself attention? Mm. If you're always seeking attention, I mean, if you're getting attention, get it through a positive way, not a negative way, you know, but it's about how are you going to give yourself attention? How are you going to give yourself the love? Do you really need to be rescued all the time? Right. So this is how you would go about breaking apart the monsters? You, do you call this some of the monsters that you have to oh, break? Oh, no, that's a whole other topic. Okay, okay all let's right. Talk about, let's talk oh. about breaking apart monsters. Okay, but, I mean, you tie it in, and so actually feeling sorry for yourself and wanting the kitchen, isn't that a big monster? Feeling sorry for yourself? Yes. And yes, wanting attention a- from the negative side, wasn't that a difficult pattern to break? Um, yes. And again, you, once you know what the payoff is, so the payoff for me was attention and, and getting mm-hmm. that love, then, then you turn it on yourself and you ask yourself, how is it that I need to give myself attention? So, for example, if someone's payoff is that as long as they're avoiding, you know, for example, the person who never dates, oh, well, it's because I'm always hard at work and every time I feel like I'm going to break, my boss gives me more and they're always in this this pattern of working really hard, but really what they're doing is they're creating the work themselves because it's their way of avoiding dating, which is their way of avoiding rejection. So if rejection is the payoff, then they need to ask themselves, how, can I, how am I rejecting myself? And how can I learn, mm-hmm. to, learn to love all parts of me, even the things I deem good, ugly, and bad? Wow. And so you just face-to-face with that one, didn't you? Well, I've done this, so I know this. <laughs> I know. So you see, that again gives you the authenticity to be able to help other people do a turnaround because I think you face just about everything. Um, probably. <laughs> and, and Cindy, do you think you are the one that finally figured it out yourself? I think it was a series of different things. I think I've had a lot of different coaches. I've had a lot of different books I've read. 
And mm-hmm. I think it's been a progression. I mean, I think that people are always looking for a quick fix, and that's a dangerous trap. That's a really dangerous trap. And to be honest, I'm pretty disgusted with my industry because I think that there's a lot of people in my industry who are out there promising quick fixes and to people who are desperate. And all I can say is run. Please run. Like, keep mm. running. You know? And what I will say is that, I, is that there's no such thing as a quick fix. I don't believe that. I mean, unless you're getting a haircut or something and your hair looks bad and then it looks great. But, I mean, you know, I mean, if you have been brainwashed your entire life to have a certain belief that you're not good enough or you're not pretty enough or whatever, you're not smart enough, whatever you've been brainwashed to believe or whatever pattern you're doing, you're not going to break that in a day. It takes a while to break it down and go to your soul level and let yourself grieve it out and let yourself cry it out and deal with it and get angry about it and let yourself go through those emotions and release it and shift it. So I think it's really important to know that you can do this, but you need to be willing to look at the stuff and find joy as you're going through this because it's a process. You're always going to have more that you can break through. There's always more layers to the onion. So it's about finding the balance of having fun and going and playing and doing outrageous things and having a great time in your life while you're reading another book or doing another coaching session or doing another journaling session with yourself to break through or breathing session, whatever you need to be doing. I guess. Now, I've heard you also talk about a feedback loop. Is this part of what you're talking about now, or is the feedback loop different when you're feeding back? Okay, so here is a feedback loop. This <laughs> is something that I've had to – this is another thing I've had to really work on. Did you make this um, up? <laughs> what? Did you make up the feedback loop? Um, I don't know. I'm sure somebody else has a similar analogy. I, you know, I think that all of us talk about similar things. We just have different ways of talking about them. But, you know, as a, you know, as babies, we, we decide for, that we're crawling and we decide that our big goal is to walk, right? And mm-hmm. so as a baby, the baby starts to, you know, teeter up, teeter up, and it poops and then falls on its bottom. But the baby doesn't make some dramatic stink of it and go, oh, my God, look at me. I'm horrible. I'm terrible. How could I fall on my bottom? I guess my dream wasn't meant to be. But as adults, we become drama kings and queens about it, whereas we personalize it. We take action on our dream, and we start to make all these interpretations and these false fears and these monsters about them. And it's like, no, it's just feedback. It's like, okay, you took a step forward. What worked? Great. Keep doing that. And what didn't work? Okay, good. That was feedback. I mean, did you think Edison went and, like, did the light bulb and, like, one try what was it over a thousand that's right can you imagine if he would have after the third try go oh i guess my dream to have light you know isn't gonna isn't gonna manifest i guess it's not meant to be i mean look at how what a horrible stupid man i am i mean thank god he didn't do that but so many of us defeat ourselves because we take it personally and then we don't keep going and then we stop ourselves and we make all these assumptions and all these judgments on ourselves and we create all these monsters that are really not true my goodness well, I can see when you're saying it that way how people do that because they begin to have self-doubt about their ability. Yeah. So how did you manage to overcome that? You know, in terms of the self-doubt, again, it goes back to me doing one thing after the other, but the strategy that I will tell people to do is really get in contact and touch with their body and learn to love their body and nurture their body, even if you are judging your body because you're too short or too skinny or too fat or whatever you're doing. You need to learn to love every part of you and really embrace every part of you. And one of the exercises that I do in front of the mirror and still do is I literally sit there and I take deep breaths into my belly, nice, slow, deep breaths, 
And then I go, I love me. And I really feel it in my body because our cells are carrying all of our crap. And you want to get to your cellular level. Now, a lot of people do affirmations, but they don't breathe them into their body because we're not taught how to breathe. But I'm a singer, so I know how to breathe. But a lot of us are just like, I'm so happy and grateful now that I'm manifesting a perfect body. I'm so happy and grateful now that I'm manifesting $10,000 in my bank account. I'm so happy and grateful. You know, so, I mean, everybody is doing these manifestations or these um, these affirmations. But do you see how it's not connected to your body, which is your real core? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have to take a deep, slow breath yeah. into your body and get it from the belly. I love me right from your mm-hmm. gut and allow yourself to really get in touch with your body because a lot of us are running around and we're not even in touch with our bodies. So to help you understand what I mean by that, it's kind of like when you're in the car and you get from point A to point B and you're like, oh, how did I get there? It's like you just unconsciously do it. Okay, I want to ask a question, Cindy. Have you or could you, I know you could do it, but have you made a CD so that, for instance, you are, I can hear it when you say that, and I can hear it when you take that deep breath, and I think it would be so impressive if people could listen to how you've done it step by step. So have you made that CD? I have a CD um, that you can get on my website, cindyashton.com, that is called The Courage to be Successful. And those CDs, two of the tracks on there, it's it's a 45-minute CD, two of the tracks have 10 minutes on them, which is just breathing and learning to become aware of your body. I I have a degree in kinesiology on top of everything else I've done. I was was an overachiever when I was younger because I thought, you know, I didn't get good grades and I was told I was stupid and so I wanted to prove everybody wrong. And, again, I I achieved because of negative, you know, forces and not because of love, as we talked about earlier. But I'm grateful for it because I have a degree in kinesiology and my specialization was relaxation therapy. So I actually, on this meditation CD, there's about 20 minutes worth, you know, 10 minutes in two different tracks which are really about breathing in your body and becoming really in touch with every single, you know, part of your body and doing muscle relaxation so you can become more aware. Well, give them the website again because I'm sure that uh, this is a fabulous exercise. In fact, I think we all need it. I'm going to go and get it because uh, there are times, like we've said before, uh, we have our own doubts about ourselves. So when you can really truly learn to love yourself through a pattern such as the feeling of it, I think it's awesome. What do you think, Janet? I, I 100% agree. And, and you know, Cindy, I am I'm always in awe of someone who can figure, figure this out for themselves and then be able to share the tools and tips that you've learned with other people to help others figure it out because there's a lot of women out there who have all of those self-doubts, have the confidence and the esteem issues, but it's almost fear that they can't get over to say, I'm going to let that go. I have to get these voices out of my head. And they're afraid of letting go of those voices because they're afraid that it might be worse. You know, I love, Janet, that you bring this up. This is one of the things (laughs) I talk about actually in Chapter 3 of my book, Kiss Your Monsters Goodbye, is about how we do not know how to receive. There are a lot of people out there who are taking action and doing the visualization and manifesting, but they're actually not receiving. They're actually not, I mean, the good is coming to them, but they don't know how to receive. And one of the receiving types 
that they have. There's there's three you know receiving types that we do that are behaviors that we do that block our good from coming to us, and it's one of them is called the diminisher. And what that means is that we actually diminish our good. And women do this especially because we diminish who we are because we're afraid that if we shine our light. You know, either, you know, we don't want someone else to feel bad about themselves or we feel like if they're, you know, people might be jealous of us and then I'm going to lose friends. You know, and a lot of us end up diminishing who we are and diminishing our light because we're so afraid of our peers. Meanwhile, Mm -hmm. if you were to stand in your light, you're going to actually empower other people to stand in their light. They're going to look at you and go, oh, my God, I mean, if Judy, mm-hmm. you know, and Janet can, can do that, well, well, maybe I can, you know. And, but instead, we're so afraid of going outside of our social circle and being different. And, you know, we already have these self-doubt issues that we just want to be loved. And so we keep diminishing ourselves so we can be part of the crowd. You know, right. and the worst thing that happens is that even if some of your friends do get jealous and they nod off, well, that's fine because you know what? You grieve it out and then it just means that as you shine your brilliance, the people who are shining their brilliance are going to hang out with you. Mm-hmm. And you know what? They weren't your real friends to start with, those people exactly. who are having those feelings. You know, and Cindy, I mean, being a person who grew up in a household that it was you gave 150% to everything you did and if you got 80 back, you were even. You know, it's, it's almost a, the mentality of, you know, the whole world isn't good enough kind of thing. And that's how I grew up. And I know many people in, um, you know, who I'm in my 40s, who grew up in the 60s, 70s, 80s kind of thing. We were always giving way too much and getting so little in return. And it's how we condition ourselves. And it's no different than breaking any bad habit. And it takes many, it's not instant to break that bad habit of, you know, here with the Diva Toolbox. I get lots of love from people. I didn't know 50 people outside of Massachusetts two years ago. Now I know thousands, you know, and they're my friends. I mean, these, I didn't know June and, and Robbie two years ago, and now, you know, I put it in a blog. They're two of my most trusted resources in this world. Oh, and, well, they're precious. <laughs> they are, but, but they truly are in my heart. I've never even met June in person. But I had to start letting people into my life as opposed to I had to give, 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 give. And I, I think you also it. have a message to women entrepreneurs who it's okay to charge for your services because we're forever giving everything away for free. Well, mm. that's really nice until the mortgage bill comes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What we do has value. And, and Cindy, I, I hope that's part of your message in your book. I haven't actually read oh, it. I love it. Well, yet, that's but... the third behavior. So the second behavior, well, the first one, I didn't tell you what it was. But the first behavior we do to devalue ourselves is justify ourselves. Mm-hmm. The minute you start justifying yourself mm-hmm. is the minute that people can take power over you. Yep. Right? Yeah, because justifi- justification depletes the energy uh, because you're trying to justify even your feelings and everything you've done. So then you dissipate your good energy, right? Yeah. I mean, I was speaking at the Bakersfield Business Conference last week, and I was giving this analogy of how many women – you know, might be a couple of hours late on a project and then their boss says, hey, you know, Judy, where's that, you know, where's that project or Carol, where's that project or whatever. And then, you know, if they do, they justify, they go, yeah, we'll have three kids puking this morning and that was getting out the door and blah, blah, And then the boss has power over them as opposed to, hey, Joe, you know what? Thanks for the reminder. I'm on it. I will have it on your desk by 5 o'clock. 
You don't need to justify. You don't need to go into an excuse why it's late. It's like, but we do that, and then that's why people have power over us because we're always feeling like we have to give them a reason, and it's because we're not valuing ourselves and we're not, you know, giving ourselves enough worth. We don't need to justify ourselves to anybody. Well, you know, and the man, there isn't a man in the world who would have started with my kid was throwing up this morning. No, didn't care. <laughs> Only women do that. Yeah, I <laughs> know. Right. But, I mean, they don't care one way or the other. It's just like Cindy said. Where's the, you know, what's happened? Where is it? Mm-hmm. And uh, they don't want to hear from it. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the other thing, too, is, is about putting boundaries. I mean, how many of us are being pushed and then we feel bad because, you know, somebody said, yeah, well, how come you're going after this career, blah, blah, blah. Like, let's say a parent is talking to their child or even with me, like with my ex-in-laws and my ex-husband, you know, always bugging me about my career. And I used to always justify and go, yeah, but I'm working really hard and I swear to God I'm going to make it, da, 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 da. Whereas, you know, if somebody did that to me now, I would say, thank you very much for your concern. I really appreciate it. But you know what? I feel on track and I don't feel like this is a matter that we need to discuss. Mm-hmm. So I'm not right. giving You really stand in your powers, Cindy. Oh, you I really stand now. in it. <laughs> I mean, but it comes from love. I don't say, I don't yeah. say F you. I don't. Although no. I've done that to, I did that once in my life, but and that was actually to my ex in law. That's what I'm not surprised. Yeah, I had. I, I mean, I totally blew up, but I mean, but I'm. I mean, June knows me. I'm a. I'm a sweetie pie, but I'm firm now. I mean, I'm loving, but I'm firm. It's about being loving and firm, you know. And if you know people are pushing your buttons all the time, you simply refuse to talk to them about those issues. So you say. Again, thank you so much for your concern. But you know what? This is actually not a topic I want to discuss. <laughs> and I particularly don't hear what you have to say. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. But are these some of the things you call a superstar personality when you can stand no. in love? No, superstar personalities are totally different. Okay. Oh, okay. So we're going to well, talk about and hearing a lot of them. That to me, that's a superstar personality, don't you think, yeah. Janet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. But, um, okay, so superstar personalities. So one of the things I noticed in the last year as I've been doing this work is that a lot of people are telling me that the standard things like visualization and manifestation and goal setting is not working for them. Part of it could be the receiving, which we've talked about, but I realize that all these things are being taught one-dimensionally. They're taught in one way. And it got me thinking about when I was a teacher. And when I went to teacher's college, we learned about Gardner's multiple intelligences and how kids have eight different intelligences we all do and yet our school systems are only teaching kids using language and logic and so kids who are brilliant at kinesthetic stuff like movement and kids who are brilliant at music and socializing and you know being being you know self-reflective these other wonderful skills are not being honed and they're not being taught the way they need to be taught and that's why we have so many kids in north america falling through the cracks because they're not being taught in a way that addresses the way that they learn and then we label these kids as add and stupid and it's like no they're not add they have energy and you need to teach them in a different way and so it occurred to me in the last year, well, maybe the problem a lot of adults are not achieving is because they, are, they were raised with language and logic, and that's the way that they approach this world. And meanwhile, they have these other skills and talents, and they're not using them. And so I said, well, maybe I should – oh, sorry, go ahead. No, but what are the other six ways that they should be teaching? Because this is very intriguing. Okay, so I'll go over gardeners, and then I'm going to translate them to my super so what I did is I translated the eight multiple intelligences into eight superstar personalities since my branding is all about being your superstar walking a red carpet life. So 
anybody who is language driven, um, so that was the first one, right? Language. Um, mm-hmm. In my superstar personalities, there are they are a best-selling author. They're like a J.K. Rowling or a Stephen King. They have the gift of the of the writing. They can just write. I mean, what what somebody can say are one and two sentences. They can go on in descriptions and flourish it for paragraphs and pages. Mm-hmm. Um, then, yeah, they're really, really gifted with the vocabulary, and they're just flowing. I'm not a natural writer. I'm a good writer because I went to university, but I'm, I'm like, low on the totem board on that one, actually. <laughs> um, it's not natural for me. Um, so, and then the second one we said was logic, which is math. Anyone who's good with logical things, sequencing, math, you know, compartmentalizing things. And so um, that's a superstar. That's equivalent to superstar personality, scientific genius. Um, so you're like an Einstein. And then there is um, the kinesthetic learner, which I call the world-class athlete. And those are people who are not necessarily great at, like, running and track and basketball, but they're great at movement. These are the people who are, when they talk, they move their hands a lot. These are the people who are good at cooking because they're great with their hands or they're good at mechanics, you know, becoming a mechanic or a construction worker, or they could be good at traditional athletic stuff or dance. These are people who express through movement. So, for example, when I was a teacher, I would, my job was consulting, and I would go into classrooms and teach teachers how do you teach math through dance. And I would literally get kids doing dance patterns and, you know, rapping and doing all these really cool things, and then, they would, and then we would slowly translate it back to numbers, and the kids would get it because they did the patterns and, the, and they did the math in their body first. Wow. It was so really you, cool. Most people, what, do you, what superstar name do you have for them? Um, okay, so we've done three so far. So the fourth one would be um, the person oh, who is... You call the kinesthetic learning people. Oh, the, world class, the world-class athlete. Oh, the world-class so like, athlete. So you're okay. like a Michael Jordan or an Anna Korkova okay. or a right. for us dancers. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so the fourth one would be an interpersonal learner which I call the talk show host. So you're like an Ellen DeGeneres or you're like an Oprah if mm-hmm. you're the talk show host. I'm clearly a talk show host. June, you clearly are a talk show host. These are people <laughs> really? who have the gift. Yeah, I just think. These are people who are natural-born leaders. They have the gift of the gab. Obama is obviously our president, <laughs> is, right? I mean, he's got <laughs> politicians are. You know, but these are people who are leaders who are able to get into groups and get people to cooperate. And they, they've got the gift of the gab, and they have the power to influence people. Um, <laughs> And then the fifth one would be an intra-personal, which is somebody who is self-reflective, which I call in my superstar personalities the respected philosopher. And so this is like a Gandhi. This is a person who can sit under the Bodhi tree like Buddha and just meditate. They're very self-reflective. They know their strengths. They know their weaknesses. They are really, really great at... um, you know, being able to journal and self-reflect. A lot of entrepreneurs are intrapersonal because they have their unique ideas. They're very much an individual. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, by the way, you, I, did, I did create a quiz so people can find out what their superstar personalities are, but let me finish them. So we've got number six. So what have I missed? Uh, musical. So somebody who's musical, which I call an award-winning musician. So you're like a Michael Jackson, a Madonna, whatever, right? Beethoven, whatever. These are people, even if you don't play or, or play an instrument or sing, it, you'll know if you've got musical genius, if you are always tapping. You know those people you just want to slap their hand because they're just tapping all the time, they're tapping their foot, or they yes. always have to have music on, they always have to have music while they're working? Those people respond through music. 
they learn best through music. So if they have to learn their times tables, they should be singing them or doing them on a glockenspiel or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, so those are musical learners. So if you look at an adult, if somebody is really struggling at work and they're really stuck on something, they should have music playing because it will help them to relax them. So if they're an award-winning musician, they should have the music playing because it will relax them or release their stress. It will open up their creativity, and they're going to get their work done a lot better. So when I wrote my book, even though I'm not a best-selling author um, in terms of my personality, I'm not a strong, natural writer, because I had music playing, it just totally opened up my creativity and the, and the words flowed better. Mm. Isn't that, that's very interesting, very interesting, because oh. a lot of times today they're saying that you do learn with certain patterns where the, the beat itself goes with the heartbeat, such as playing uh, Mozart. Yeah. It's learning uh, tapes that they're now using for children. That's right, they are, and they're encouraging moms, um, pregnant moms, to be um, putting like the headphones on the belly at five months and listening to Mozart's violin yeah. music, absolutely. Because the first two things you're born in life with in your brain is music and art, and they're the last to leave you when you die. So they are the most powerful with everybody's life, whether it's something you want to play all the time, but the fact that the music is born in you, and so is the art, which is patterns, is, was very interesting when I learned that. So it, and now you've got the eighth one, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, so this is people who are visual people. So I call this the critically acclaimed artist, or like a Picasso, or like a Steven Spielberg, somebody who is visually and spatially aware. They can go into a room and they can see the entire room and how it could be laid out and how it could be transformed. They can paint, they can sculpt. You know, so, um, so if you want to know what your superstar personalities are, because we're a combination, right, um, mm-hmm. you can go to yoursuperstarpersonality.com and take the quiz. Mm-hmm. I created a quiz based on it. Superstar, your superstar personality.com. Fantastic. That is yeah. tremendous. And what Thank you have done, where you've given them names, actually tells who and what they are. You know, the language person being the best selling author. Yeah. Scientific genius is the logic and the math. And the kinesthetic, of course, is our world class athlete. Of course. And the interpersonal is the talk show host. <laughs> oh. yep, and the improper really is a philosopher, right? Yeah, the respected philosopher. So number six, the unique quality that people have, they become the entrepreneurs. Yeah, that's right. A lot of philosophers are, there are the entrepreneur because they're independent thinkers. Mm-hmm. And they can't do anything but want to create and, and do that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so once you know what those personalities are, you can apply them to manifestation like all the teachers tell you to manifest you need to close your eyes and visualize but how many people do you hear complaining saying yeah but I can't visualize I just can't see pictures and that's because their strengths are not a world-class or sorry a critically claimed artist that's why they can't see pictures it's not their strengths but mm-hmm. somebody who's a world-class athlete like I am if I dance around my house I can easily create the entire scene of what I want to create when I'm dancing and using my physical energy, you know, or, oh, we forgot one, the renowned naturalist. That's the eighth one, the renowned naturalist. This is the person who connects with the earth. Mm -hmm. So if you are that person, you should be meditating in the woods or while you're petting a dog, connecting with, you know, nature. Mm -hmm. 
All right. You know, so people should be, even with goal setting, some people say do a vision board. Well, if you're a scientific genius, you're a logical person, your vision board should have bullet points and sequences and, you know, little diagrams that you can draw boxes to. But if you're a visual person, the critically acclaimed um, artist, you might actually draw out different things and paste different pictures. So you really want to know what your superstar personalities are because how you goal set, how you manifest, how you take action, how you do your work is really dependent on where your strengths are. So then if you know and you take the test and know uh, the superstar personality that you are, does this also help you build confidence in the abilities that you have? Yeah, it does. You know why? Because you're doing what's natural to you. And when you're doing what's natural to you, and you start, then it feels easy, then it builds up your self-esteem. It's like, oh, I was able to do that. That feels better. So it goes back to me. Like when I write, it's, so, it's a struggle for me to write, even though I wrote a book. But, and so I started to feel really bad about myself when I was younger because it would take me forever to write an essay in school. But now, because I know what my superstar personalities are, you know, if I feel stressed while I'm writing, I go dance. Or because I'm a talk show host, I might call up my friends and talk through the concepts I want to write about. And because I've talked it through, it's clear in my mind, so it's easier to write or I put on music. So because I know what my strengths are, I'm able to boost up my weaknesses. And, and okay. then it gives me confidence because it's like, oh, I can write. Look, I just wrote a book. And then I feel confident about myself. And it's the same thing with everybody else. As you start to do what comes naturally to you, then you're going to feel good about yourself and you're going to feel like you're more in flow with life and it's going to release your stress. Wow. I think what we have to do, Jenny, we have to have Cindy back on again because I'm not through asking questions. What about you? <laughs> Absolutely not. We only have three minutes left and I'll have to tell you, I did the test while you were doing it and I am, number one, I had four answers, um, but five and six, I had all five. <laughs> okay, oh, cool. So I think the number one is a world-class athlete. Did you click through? So once you do the video yep. quiz, you click on Get My Results, and then they have them there. So I think number one was world-class athlete. What was five and six, scientific genius? Um, I actually did it, um, the reading one, not the, the video one. And number five was a talk show host, and number six was a scientific genius. <laughs> oh, cool. Does that sound right for you? Well, you know, I don't think that I'm a genius, but I do have a very oh, strong aptitude yourself. for math. I know, yourself. I can't help it, but I do have a very strong aptitude for math. <laughs> That's very good. And you're probably the go-to girl to read a map and to draw an itinerary. Absolutely. Or to a yeah, you're the go-to woman. That's I have awesome. a list for everything. <laughs> that was fun. Everyone should check this out. <laughs> Look how quickly you took that test. Yeah, and the you know, as, really as you were talking and explaining them, I was reading through the questions. It was very easy. Oh, oh good. My. And you know what? And once you've done the test, make sure that you register to get the free report because the free report is going to go through all the different steps and all the different areas of your life that you can apply your superstar personalities. So mm -hmm. make sure that you do that. Make sure that you make that note for yourself. Uh, one, right of the, one other question, Cindy. Well, actually, we're running out of time, June. I hate to cut you off. I know. You've got to come back. Left. Doesn't she, Janet? Okay. She absolutely okay. has to come back. This was a lot of fun. Cindy, let, let me jump in here real quick and, and let everyone know what your website is, please. Yes. Sure. My website is cindyashton.com. And if you are interested in finding out your superstar personality, that's yoursuperstarpersonality.com. And um, you know what, too, is that I actually have on Thursday a teleseminar coming up, um, which is all about how you can beat your odds. I'm going to go through a four-step system. 
So make sure that you go to my website and get on my list so you can get the e-blast about it. All right, and Cindy, you send me an email at Janet at DivaToolbox.com, and we'll blog about that teleseminar for you. Oh, my God, I would love that. That would be great. Terrific. Julie, you have to make sure everyone knows your website and you and Robbie. Yes, and we just want to say again that we've missed Robbie tonight, and we didn't have time to open up for questions, so we do have to. But I want to also thank Robbie for having Cindy and setting this up because I think it is an awesome awesome show to be able to give this to people and have them understand it so I want to just uh, send her all of our wonderful blessings and energy and and she'll be back with us tomorrow or she'll be in sometime tomorrow night so uh, and thank you Cindy for being on the show oh, thank you so much for having me Janet and um, June it's been such an honor and Robbie I'm giving you a big hug and kissy for a yeah. sacred poem and, uh, yeah, I am just so honored. This has been really, really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do want to say on behalf of Robbie, because our hearts are with her and her family with, with all they've gone through, but to all of Robbie's listeners, she wants to thank you from the bottom of her heart for all your support. Have a wonderful week, ladies and gentlemen, and we'll see you tomorrow night on Millionaire Monday and next month on Robbie's Oh, we're done streaming. Okay. Well, you know what? We'll see you next week. <laughs> I'll probably get you one more in. Um, but June and, and Cindy, thank you very much. That was yes. wonderful. Cindy, Janet at DivaToolbox.com. Send me over that teleseminar, and we will blog about it. And, June, I will talk with you tomorrow night. Absolutely, and thank you so much. It just was wonderful. Oh, that was thanks, wonderful. Ladies. I really appreciate it. Have Good a great night, night, ladies. Bye-bye. Good night. Bye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.